you guys. We're in a series called Who is Jesus? We've been looking at the I am statements that Jesus uh, gave in the Gospel of John uh, that tell us who he is. Last week, uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And we discovered that uh, resurrection is not something that Jesus does. Resurrection is something that he is. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. It's Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at John 10, 11, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What's interesting in this passage is Jesus presents himself as the good shepherd, that we also see that there's another shepherd, another influence that is not good. In John 10, 1, he said, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. And he's talking about our spiritual enemy. He's talking about Satan. Satan hates God. He hates God's people. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's his mission. You know, we just see it. There's just an evil power in this world that seeks to destroy people, especially the people of God. People are sick, families are falling apart, marriages are in trouble, kids are making bad decisions, and at the root of that, there is a thief and a robber, Satan. And Jesus clearly describes the mission of our spiritual enemy. In John 10, 10, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan desires your destruction. He will go to any length to get it. Deceit, delusion, division, gossip, anger, jealousy, greed, bitterness, addiction, pornography, promiscuity, perversity. In other words, you better have your spiritual armor on. You better be under the protection of the good shepherd. Because Jesus desires that you have a rich and satisfying life. He says, my purpose, though, is to give them a rich, satisfying life. Jesus desires that you have life in all its fullness. Satan desires your death and your destruction. So we need the good shepherd because we are sheep. Now, just for the record, sheep are mentioned more than any other animal in the Bible. Uh, 200 times in the Bible, you'll find sheep mentioned. Dogs are mentioned 44 times in the Bible. Cats are never mentioned once. (laughs) You can draw your own conclusion. But the Bible says we are like sheep. Unfortunately, that is not good news because sheep are some of the stupidest animals on the planet. I mean, you go to a circus, you will see all kinds of trained animals. There will be trained elephants, trained lions, trained horses, trained dogs. You never see a sheep at the circus because they are, you cannot train them. They're too stupid. In fact, the only way that you can teach a sheep to play dead is to shoot it. And you can only do the trick once. Because sheep are incredibly stupid creatures. And so with all humbleness and gentleness, I just have to say with the love of Jesus that you are stupid and so am I. Because the Bible says we are like sheep. Four ways, four challenges of being a sheep. On your notes, take your notes out. Number one, sheep get lost easily. In the Old Testament, there's a verse in Isaiah 53 that says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, has turned to his own way. It's just incredibly common for sheep to wander away 
from the flock, to wander away from the shepherd. You know, uh, sheep just think, oh, I'll just go over here and see what's going on. And they just wander off. I, I love the old hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I mean, that's just the way we are. As sheep, we easily get lost. It's the reality for many of us. And we're trying to figure out life. We're trying to, trying to find a path, but we just wander. Second thing about sheep. Sheep are defenseless. Almost every animal has some form of defense. Animals that can kick, animals that have uh, horns, they can horn you. Animals have fangs. Some animals are very fast. Some can fly. Some animals have the ability to camouflage and hide themselves. Sheep, basically defenseless. I mean, you attack a sheep, what can they do? All they can do is say, back off. (laughs) I'm here all weekend. Sheep are defenseless and on our own, out from under the protection of the good shepherd, apart from the flock of God, the body of Christ, we are defenseless. And I see it all the time. We lose our way, we wind up out from under the protection, and the evil one comes in and destroys people because we're defenseless. Number three, sheep are very stubborn. Write that down. Sheep are stubborn. In fact, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, I think he's talking about you right now. Okay? Yeah. Now, you enjoyed that, but looking out there, some of you, you didn't do it because you said, I'm not going to do that because you're stubborn. Not turning to anybody and saying anything. I'm not filling out the communication card. I'm not filling in the blanks on the outline. I'm not getting in a small group. I don't care how many times you ask me because I am stubborn. You're a stubborn sheep. Do you know that when a sheep walks in between two rocks and they get lodged in there, they get stuck, sheep are too stubborn to go in reverse. They just keep wedging themselves in deeper. You never hear a sheep beep, beep, beep backing up. They're stubborn and they pursue the wrong course. How many of you know somebody like that? Anybody know somebody like that? Put your hands up. Very good. It's interesting. About half of you know somebody like that. What's that tell us? Yeah. Number four, if you're taking notes, sheep are filthy. They're filthy. You say, oh, pastor, I've seen these fluffy white sheep on TV. If you see a fluffy white sheep, it's because somebody has power washed it. (laughs) Sheep do not have the ability to clean themselves. Sheep are filthy. They stink. Uh, They stinketh, if you were here last week. Between Lazarus stinketh and these filthy sheep, this is one of the dirtiest sermon series I've ever preached. But I just want to say it very respectfully. That's the way we are in the eyes of God when we're out on our own. People say, oh, he's a good old boy, she's a good old girl. You know, in the eyes of God, we're not good. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. Uh, Left to ourselves, we have no way to clean ourselves. We fall short of God's perfection. We are defenseless, we are lost, we are stuck in our ways. The bottom line is sheep need a shepherd, we need a savior. We need a Savior. We need Jesus because without him, we are are vulnerable to the evil one. That's why it's really, really good news when Jesus steps up and says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for my sheep. 
I want you to look today at four incredible qualities of the Good Shepherd. And it's just my prayer that God would just connect these truths about the Good Shepherd with your heart and your life. So what does the Good Shepherd do? First one, on your notes, the Good Shepherd guides. The Good Shepherd guides. Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. You know, you ever face a big decision in life and you're just not sure, sure which way to go? Uh, you know, when you seek the Lord, He will reveal Himself to you. He will reveal His will to you. He will guide you. John 10, 3 and 4. The gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep. The sheep recognize His voice and come to Him. The good shepherd calls His sheep by name. They recognize His voice and what do they do? They follow Him. He leads, he guides, he directs the sheep because they know his voice and he guides them. I mean, that is just so powerful. The sheep recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Now, you may be wondering, Kelly, are you talking about God speaking audibly to me? And you know what? God may speak audibly to you. God is God. He can communicate however he wants. You know, my experience has been that God speaks to me through his word. God speaks to me through circumstances. God speaks to me through other people. God speaks to me through prayer and, and through a song. God can speak in a variety of different ways. And the sheep who belong to him recognize his voice. They know his voice. And you might say, you know, I, I'm not sure I know his voice. I'm not sure I recognize it. Let me tell you why you might not recognize the voice of the shepherd. Imagine that you walk into a room with 50 women in the room, and these 50 women, they're all talking at the same time, and they all understand each other, okay? And you and I, we walk into the room with 50 women all talking at the same time, and if my wife is in there, I would ask you, can you recognize her voice? And if you say, no, I can't, then either you don't know her, maybe you've never met her, or you haven't spent enough time with her to recognize her voice. Because I guarantee you, in a room of 50 women all talking at the same time, you could blindfold me and I could step into that room and I could find my wife because I know her voice. I recognize her voice. If you don't recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd, then either you don't know him or you haven't spent enough time with him to recognize his voice. Because if you're one of his sheep, the good shepherd calls you by name. He calls you by name because he knows you, and he knows your need, and he knows what, where you should go, and he wants to guide you. And so if you've got a difficult decision to make, should I take this job in another city, or should I just stay put? Should I keep dating this person, or maybe not? Should we try to have more kids or not? Should we be a part of this church or not? I just want to tell you right up front, you just need to say, God, you said Jesus is the good shepherd. His job is to lead. My job is to follow. So show me where to go, and I'll go. Just show me where to go, Lord, and, and, I'll, and I'll go. And that takes all the pressure off of you. In fact, it puts the pressure back on God, because you're just, you're just calling God on his promise. You said you promised you would reveal your will to me. Guide me. Direct me. And if you'll do that and you're serious about obeying and following, God will speak into your life and you will recognize his voice and he will guide you. Number two, 
The good shepherd provides. He guides and he provides. Psalm 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. You know, what what sheep shepherd imagery here? He makes me to lie down in green pastures. How often do you see a sheep lying down? And some of you would say, I never see sheep doing anything because they're not on my commute. I just don't see many sheep. But if you saw sheep, you would realize that sheep don't often lie down because there are three things that have to happen in the life of a sheep before they will lie down. One, sheep have to be well fed or they won't lie down. Sheep have to be getting along or they will not lie down. You know, if the flock is skittish, nobody lies down. Sheep have to feel safe or they will not lie down. But in the presence of the good shepherd who leads them to green pastures, they are fully satisfied because he provides for them. The good shepherd breaks up fights, helps them get along. The good shepherd is present and the sheep are not afraid because he's their defender. And so they will rest. They will actually lie down in green pastures. It says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Why quiet waters? Because sheep won't drink from rushing water. Do you know that? Sheep won't drink from rushing water because they instinctively know that if they fall into rushing water, they turn into a giant sponge and sink and drown. That's why you never see sheep whitewater rafting because they instinctively know they should not do it. But the good shepherd leads them beside the quiet water. In fact, the good shepherd is the right kind of water. Jesus is the living water that brings rest. He quenches our spiritual thirst. Psalmist says, he refreshes my soul. You know, the shepherd doesn't just provide for us materially. He doesn't just provide for our bodies. He provides for our souls. And too many of us have everything we need on the outside and nothing we need on the inside. Too many of us on the outside, you know, we've got everything we need, but your soul is not at rest. If your soul is not at rest, you might be a sheep without a shepherd because the good shepherd refreshes our souls. Inwardly, we can be at peace regardless of the chaos that's going on on the outside. I mean, it's amazing to me that when sheep are under the care of the good shepherd, all hell can be breaking loose in their life and all sorts of things are going wrong and yet you can have a supernatural peace that transcends your ability to understand it. I see that happen all the time. I'll encounter people who've had tremendous loss, devastation, uh, just horrible things happen in their life and we're talking to them and they're just, Pastor, I just don't understand it, but I just have a peace in the midst of this chaos. That's because the good shepherd is refreshing your soul, your soul is at rest on the inside because you know that the good shepherd cares for you. Third thing on your notes, the good shepherd corrects. He corrects. Now that may not sound like good news, especially if you're the wandering sheep. It may not seem like good news at the time, but it truly is good news because the shepherd loves you enough to correct you when you're wandering. You know, Job recognized this. He he said, blessed is the one whom God corrects. Can you you imagine being corrected, being under discipline, and just saying, oh, I am so blessed. 
So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but he also heals. That just seems like an odd thing for God to do. He wounds and then binds up. He injures and then he heals. What's going on here? What some shepherds would do for a lamb that continued to wander off, if you have a stubborn, stupid little lamb that continues to leave the flock, he's out there vulnerable to wolves, he can fall off a cliff or drown in the river, if that became a habit for a little sheep, then the loving shepherd would take his rod. Okay, not, not the big staff with a hook on it, but the shepherd's rod was about a two-foot-long piece of wood that was a weapon used for protection. It, it'd be like half a nunchuck. You guys know what nunchucks are, those things, the two sticks and the chain in the middle? It was at the children's home in Lucknow, India that we support. And got 32 kids who live there, and I was in the teen boys' room. And hanging on the wall, there was a pair of nunchucks. And so I asked the guys, I said, well, whose are those? And they all burst out laughing, and they point at one of the guys, and, and he says, yeah, they're mine. And so I said, are you any good with those? And he admitted that basically all he can do is hit himself in the head with them. Okay? <laughs> that was free. But a shepherd's rod would be like half a nunchuck. Uh, it's a weapon. And what the shepherd would do to a lamb that keeps wandering off, going to get picked off by a wolf, fall off a cliff, drown in the river, the shepherd would take that rod and he would crack the lamb's leg bone. Ouch. I mean, that just sounds cruel, doesn't it? But he would crack that lamb's leg bone and then he would bind it up and he would put that lamb up on his shoulders and he would carry the lamb everywhere it needed to go. And he would nurse it back to health, and he would feed it and care for it, and that lamb would become close to him. It would grow totally dependent on the shepherd. It would learn to recognize the shepherd's voice. It would trust the shepherd, and the shepherd would care for that lamb and take it to the greatest places. And over time, that little lamb would become like a pet to the shepherd. And so the one that would wander off actually became the closest one of the flock to the shepherd. That's the goal of the discipline of God. You know, my grandpa was one of the sweetest, gentlest men you could ever meet. And he walked with a cane most of his life as a result of a car accident. And it was an oak cane. It had a little crook on the end like a shepherd's staff. And when I was a, a little kid, I was in my grandparents' living room, and they had this fan running in their living room. And it was an old-style fan with these sharp metal blades, and it had a wire shield around it with big gaps in it. Look, it looked like this one here. And that fan was whirring along in their living room. And I remember as a little kid looking at that, and the blades, the spinning blades, looked so soft. They looked soft. I mean, the thing's a meat grinder, and I'm ready to stick my hand in there because those blades look so soft. I mean, that's what a stupid sheep I am. And so I'm about to stick my little fingers in the blades of this fan, and Grandpa doesn't have time to tell me to stop. In fact, if he had cried out and told me to stop, I would have sped up. Because that's the kind of stubborn little sheep that I am. All Grandpa had time to do was to reach out and whack my hand with his wooden cane. You know, that's curved on the end like a shepherd's staff. And so he just reached out and whacked my hand with his cane, and it hurt. And I howled in pain, and I started crying these big tears, and I had a red mark on my bony little wrist that became a bruise. And I remember how shocked I was that my kind, sweet, gentle grandpa had hit me with a stick. 
And I also remember the look on his face. I remember the look of concern for my safety and a look of regret for the pain he caused me and a look of relief that I wasn't hurt. Now, do not misunderstand me. In fact, look up here. Look up here. I am not telling you to hit your kid with a stick. Okay? I'm not telling you to hit your kid with a stick. I'm telling you that sometimes God, in his love, needs to step into our lives and discipline us in order to protect us from the consequences of our decisions. You know, I wasn't being rebellious at that point. I was just being ignorant. Okay? But I needed correction. You know, nobody sits around thinking that, that discipline and correction is a wonderful thing. I mean, when you're disciplining teenagers, you know, they never say, oh, praise the Lord, God said we're grounded for a week. Maybe he'll take our phones away too. Okay? Nobody, nobody does that. Look what it says in Hebrews 12, 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The goal is a harvest of righteousness and peace. That's what comes from discipline and correction. And the good shepherd is so loving that he loves us enough to come into our lives and correct us. Now, correction is painful. And one of the problems that we have in our life and in the lives of others around us and even as a church is, is that when God steps in and he's correcting people and they're experiencing the pain of his discipline... Our tendency is to want to rush to their aid and reduce the pain. And so it takes real wisdom and discernment to know, I don't want to get in there too soon and short-circuit the discipline process. Because if I short-circuit the discipline process, they're going to have to experience the pain all over again. And so we have to be careful. We have to recognize, you know, God is disciplining this person. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's painful. But it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. Because the good shepherd corrects. Fourth thing, write this down. The good shepherd protects. Psalm 23, 4 and 6. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Now, the rod was a two-foot weapon. It was used for protection. The staff had a hook on it. The hook could be used to rescue a fallen sheep, pull them out of brambles and bushes and in between rocks where they got wedged. Uh, the, the staff would also guide and direct the sheep. You know, the shepherd could point with it and steer the flock and, and lead them. Uh, it was also a source of comfort for the sheep. Uh, the shepherd could use that staff to scratch and rub and even pet the sheep and comfort them. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. What does it mean, anoint my head with oil, in the context of a shepherd and sheep? Well, sheep were stinky. And where you have stinky sheep, you've got flies everywhere. And you've got a wide variety of flies. And you can Google this and look it up. There's actually a variety of fly that likes to fly into the nose of sheep and lay its eggs. Aren't you glad you came today? And those eggs would hatch and turn into larvae. You know the little wiggly worm things? And some of those larvae would fall out. It's amazing how many of you are doing this. And those, those larvae would fall out of the, of the nostrils of the sheep, but some of the larvae would not. They would actually crawl up into the nasal cavity, the sinus cavity of the sheep, even up into the brain cavity. 
and it would irritate and it would drive the sheep almost crazy. They'll shake their heads and they will butt against posts and trees and rocks and sometimes even to the point where they kill themselves. And so this anointing my head with oil in a shepherd and sheep context, it's like an insect repellent. It brings relief. It, it, it calms and soothes this irritant. You know, the good shepherd will take care of the things that irritate you and drive you crazy. How cool is that? And then it says, my cup overflows. In the Old Testament, there's a tradition in homes where you are allowed to stay at the table as a guest of the host as long as they filled your cup back up. As long as they keep filling your cup back up, you, you can stay as long as you want. But when the cup runs dry, it's time to go home. Don't you wish you know, we had that custom today for some of the people who stop by? You know, hey, your cup's empty. Go home. Okay? But this cup is overflowing. We are welcome in the presence of the good shepherd all the time. We are always welcome. Verse 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This doesn't mean you're never going to experience physical harm, because you are. But it means, in spiritual uh, sense, that you have an inheritance that God has promised you. You have an eternal inheritance that will never fade or decay or perish or spoil. The good shepherd is the one who would lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus told a parable and said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, the shepherd will leave the ninety and nine to pursue the one. There may be someone here today uh, that, that this message is just for you. You are the one. You're the one. You're the one. You're the sheep who needs the shepherd, and he is calling to you, and he hopes that you will recognize his voice and that you will follow him. You may be saying, you know, this, this message just feels like God is speaking directly to me. You know what? God is speaking directly to you. God is calling you. He is coming for you. And you need to recognize that he wants you to know him because he is good. But there is one that is not good who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And so if he, you, you look at your life and you think, man, I have no guidance, I have no direction, I am lost, I am wandering around out here, I have no idea which way to go. If you look at your life and your life is just full of lack and want and, and insufficiency and you just think, oh man, I am just never satisfied, I am always hungry, there is never any, any satisfaction here. Maybe you look at your life and you see no correction. You think there's just, nobody's correcting me. Nobody's speaking into my life and, and, and changing my course. I'm just wandering off. If there's no protection in your life. If that describes you, maybe you're a sheep without a shepherd. Because the good shepherd guides, the good shepherd provides, the good shepherd corrects, the good shepherd protects. And today, he's calling you to be part of the flock and to come to him. Let's pray. As you pray today, there, there are some of you right now who'd say, man, I really am a sheep and I need the care of the shepherd you might say, I've got decisions to make. I don't know which way to turn. These are important, life-changing decisions, and I need some guidance. If you call out to the Good Shepherd, 
he will guide you. If you seek him, he will reveal himself to you and show you his will. Some of you right now, you just say, I just feel so empty. My life is just this vast wasteland. If you call out to the shepherd, he will be your provider materially, spiritually, in your soul. He will meet that hunger and thirst. He will lead you to those green pastures. Some of you recognize I, I've done things that are taking me down the wrong path. I, I, I need someone to turn my life around. I need someone to discipline me and correct me and put me back on the way. If you call out to the good shepherd, he'll do that for you right now. And some of you are worried all the time. You have fear, maybe even terror in your life. And you need to come to rest in the protection of the good shepherd. If you're here today and you just say, you know, I believe God is speaking to me. I want to recognize his voice. I want to follow him. I want to be under the care of the good shepherd. Would you just raise your hand right now? Just put your hand up. Say, yes, I, I want to hear your voice. God, I thank you for the way your spirit works. I thank you for the way you reveal yourself. And I thank you for Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. That you guide, you provide, you correct, and protect. I pray that these folks would become sheep who know your voice and follow your lead and trust you and obey you so they can be at rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.